Welcome to the Black and White Podcast. I'm Denise Pass, along with my exciting, fun-filled <laughs> co-host, Michael Maddox. And today we're talking about a spiritual checklist for parents as they embark on another school year. Last week we went through and provided a spiritual checklist for children as they return to school that they can laminate and hang in their locker or place in their binder to remind them, or even on the fridge, and even for parents, you know, to have there for their kids. This week... It's the parents' turn, Micah. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, today the passage comes from Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 11, and it helps us see the importance of guiding our children in this season of their lives. This is such a vulnerable season and Mm -hmm. a formable season, and we as parents have a big responsibility to really impress the Word of God in our children's hearts and lives. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 11 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So as we go into our spiritual checklist for parents today, we're going to go through 10 different principles or ideas that you can check your heart and you can check yourself. And number one comes straight from the passage, and it's our family devotions. We as parents have a responsibility to gird our children in the word. And sometimes when we say family devotions, immediately people shut down. They're like, oh, we've been there. We've done that. We've done the fighting. We've had the crying. My kid won't sit still, you know, and we've been there too. Mm -hmm. You know, we've tried a lot of different methods in a lot of different ways. But what about you, Denise? What have you guys tried? And then I'll share my my horror stories. No, I I think we can end this podcast now. (laughs) Enough. Enough. And hey, we will be uh, actually having this as a download for you that you, a nice printable. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be awesome. And it will be for us too. (laughs) Right. That's right. But, you know, through the years, I was just thinking when you were sharing that, I mean, there were times, you know, we're like spanking in the middle of devotions. I'm like, this is not what this is supposed to look like. And, you know, today what it looks like, I'm just trying to figure out what it looks like again. There were years where first thing in the morning is part of my homeschool, and that's what we did. Now I've got three at one university, one other at another university, and she works full time. And then I've got one at home. And so uh, before my oldest one, who still lives at home, um, leaves in the morning, I'm sharing with her the scripture I read that morning. And that's what I did this morning. I'm like, hey, look at this verse that stood out, you know. Mm, yeah. Um, and so that's one thing I'm trying to get into a pattern of doing. That's the only time I have there. Um, with my children who are off away to college, it's oh, sharing a verse from today that just really impacted me, um, trying to touch base with them in some way. Mm-hmm. And with my youngest, uh, boy, he's home right here with me, and I feel like I'm struggling because I'm so busy right now with my book launch. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a devotional for him, and I'm trying to encourage him to get in that. And, of course, he lost his Bible. That happened for like a week. I'm like, guess what? I have another Bible you can use. <laughs> <laughs> We've got plenty of Bibles. <laughs> but you can have little, I have a family devotional thing you can do. It, it doesn't have to look like anyone else. It can be as simple as one verse 
right? That you meditate on. And sometimes less is more. Yeah, I agree. You know, I hesitate to even really share my own personal story. I am going to, but I hesitate to. <laughs> yeah, you have to. Just because, <laughs> just because I really believe that this this thing or this idea of family devotions, truly, if we look at scripture, it's a, it's more of a lifestyle than a specific time, right? Mm -hmm. It's more of a, Mm -hmm. like, like the verses say, talking while you're walking, (laughs) you know, when you sit down, when you rise up, we're always in the spirit or thinking about God's word and talking about God's word with our kids. You know, for us, we've tried different things and we have tried going through a family devotional book. And when the kids were toddlers, you know, we'd try to sit down and make it bigger than we needed it to make, to make it, you know. And then someone had told us, why don't you just read one of your Bible story books with your kids? Like, and we're like, oh, imagine that. We could read a two-year-old toddler book to a two-year-old <laughs> and that could be family devotions, right? And so it's looked different through the years and we've had seasons where we've totally missed it and we've thrown it out the window and said, we're not doing this. I'm not fighting with my kid (laughs) to sit here and everyone be upset by the end. That's not the point. But right now in the season of life that we're in, and I want to share this because I think there's a lot that might be in the same season and this is working really well for us. We decided that we would have a time in the morning that's set for breakfast. Mm-hmm. So at seven o'clock, that's what time works for us, for us to be able to get out the door on time. We meet at the breakfast table. Everybody needs to be there. We help the kids get there by that time. You know, if that means we have to iron shirts or get showers or whatever, we help facilitate that so that they can get to where they need to be on time. And we get to the table at seven, we eat our breakfast, and then we are reading the proverb for the day. We don't always read the mm-hmm. whole thing. We might read a couple verses and mom or dad will stop the kid whenever we feel like there's a verse that we need to talk about. We talk about it for a minute and um, each person has a day of the week that they read and then the person beside them prays. And so everybody knows when it's their turn. There's no surprises. There's no like, I don't want to read today. I don't want to pray. <laughs> well, it's your day, honey. You know, mm-hmm. go ahead. <laughs> right? Yes. And it's working. It's working for this season of life. My kids are um, 8, 10, 12, and 3. And even our 3-year-old sits there, and when it's his turn, he takes his toddler book and reads his memorized version of his story, and then the person beside him prays. And so that works for right now. As my 12-year-old turns 13 and starts to know everything in life, I'm sure she will um, have some ideas of how we should change it and make it more challenging for the family. But right now, that's that's what's working. I love how you say, for right now. There's such wisdom in that because every stage has its unique problems. And I want to provide also some resources for people of books and devotions I've used throughout the years. Wonderful ones, yeah, mm-hmm. even a proverb one when my kids were little when you said that, that triggered yeah. that for me. To things in high school that we use that some of my kids said changed their life. So there's tools out there. We don't worship the tools, but they can help provoke and help us, you know, have a consistent devotion time. Right. And you know, really the the key to it is that we would teach children to have a love for God's word. Mm-hmm. That we would teach them to want to love God's word. So if you are having knockdown dragouts during your family devotion time, <laughs> like just chill. Like cool it. Let's let's regroup and mom and dad or mom or dad, you know, think privately and talk privately about what you can do to change right. it up to make it enjoyable for the family. That brings us to number 2. 
pray for your children to love God with all their heart. This is, mm. if, if there was one parenting goal <laughs> that I have, it's this. Mm-hmm. I, I want my children to love Jesus. And I don't know the formula, and I don't believe that there is one, but I know that prayer is one of the keys to that. Definitely. And I will tell you, there's been times where through the years I prayed those polite prayers over my children, and now they are passionate prayers. Because as they get older, their their needs change. And not that the polite prayers aren't heard too, but there's a heart cry that is desperate mm-hmm. for my children to walk faithfully with God, mm-hmm. to not be deceived. They each have, I was looking at a picture of them this morning from years ago, mm-hmm. and what occurred to me was they each have their own sin in their lives they have to master. Mm-hmm. We all have to face that. We all have to face temptation and overcome it. And so as parents, as our kids are going into the school system, and we're thinking about this principle that we shared in Deuteronomy, as you walk, as you go along your day, prayer doesn't have to be one moment in time. Throughout your day, as your child comes to mind, you don't know what they're encountering in school or in public at that time, or even if at home, pray over them. Mm -hmm. So good. So all of these principles are things that it's not like a one and done. So as we say family devotion, as we say pray, it's not like you you know can check it off. We're calling it a checklist, but it's not something you can just do today, right. go through the checklist and be done. It's really a consistent way of living. And this brings us to number three. And this one, I feel like we need some music for like, bom, bom, bom. <laughs> I don't know. Um, don't do their work. Mm-hmm. Don't enable them. This is something that it's so easy to do. It's so much easier just to do the chore yourself. Mm -hmm. It's so much easier to go behind them and pick up the dirty laundry. It's so much easier to run the lunch to school than to have to pay for the lunch, right? It's so easy to enable them. So Denise, what would you, what advice would you give? You're, you are more Mm. versed in motherhood than I am. (laughs) So how would you say not to enable our kids? Well, I would say, and all the homeschool mamas said, amen. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, even when kids come home with homework, Mm. you know, and, and even when my kids were in college sometimes, oh, I can't forget this out. I'm like, Go and look in your textbook is the mm. first thing I say. And to my youngest right now, oh, I can't forget this out. So did you go research it? Did you go look in the textbook to where the principal is first taught? No. Okay. Go do that first and then use all your resources and then come back to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, but that's hard, Mom. It's so hard. But you know what? That is how they gain an understanding and gain the wisdom that we want them to have is they've got to search it out. Right. And that was last week's principle. We were talking about search for wisdom. Um, if we just hand it to them, they're not going to retain it. Um, and I think that that really leads us to number four is parents encourage your kids. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that can be hard if you're doing the, helping them with their work. Because right. you, have you ever had that frustrating moment? It's like, the kid isn't getting it. <laughs> no, no we, don't, we don't have those moments. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet Jesus, help me. The rapture something. Help this kid get this principle. But, you know, to encourage them, even when it's hard to, because they might be really struggling. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we had um, the what I call a knockdown drag out in third grade. Mm. And it was a homeschool season. We were at home and third grade math was just mm-hmm. kicking our high knees. And 
we ended up in tears several days in a row, both my child and myself. And I thought, Lord, this is not what homeschooling is supposed to look like. I'm this this is not happy. <laughs> this is not blessed. Okay, this newsflash, is... this is what homeschooling is supposed to look like. Okay, because it is building their character and yours. Okay. It's well, totally, right? It's, tra- it's the transformation process, sanctification. But um, I began to cry out to my husband. I'm like, help me. I don't know what to do. And the Lord, you know, Lord, please, we need some reprieve here. And my husband was like, you know what? Let's just encourage her to do what she can do. If the tears start, we need to close the book and move on a little bit and then come back to it later, right? Come back to it later because there's all the emotions that kids are going to go through. And I began to realize that this specific child was becoming whoever I would tell her she is. So if I would say, you know, this math is really difficult, third grade math is really hard, you have to work really Mm -hmm. hard, in her mind, third grade math is impossible. Right. Right? Yeah. But if I would say, you know, third grade math is going to be a challenge, but you are so smart and you are a hard worker, you can do it, in her mind... I can do this. Amen. And I, I learned something that year about all my kids, really. It's they are becoming who I tell them they are. Mm. So if I tell them, you know what? If, I see this in my toddler so much. If I tell them, you're a good boy, I see good behavior. Yep. Then it's I see the product. Mm-hmm. If, if I am constantly saying the negative, no, 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 sit down, time out. I'm seeing negative behavior. Mm. But if I am expounding on the positive and I'm constantly using the positive to reinforce and reinforce, I see better behavior. You know, it is so hard too in this encouraging thing. I love what you shared. You know, sometimes my children would say, but this is too hard for me. Mm. And I would just encourage them, look, it's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to challenge you because you're going to the next level. But don't don't think that it's too hard for you. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you can do all things through Christ. You know, and encourage them with God's word too. That's right. This brings us to number five. Help them, <laughs> encourage them to be independent and to be prepared. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my pet peeves as a teacher in the classroom was when students weren't prepared. Yes. So they knew every day, the first thing we did was homework check and they knew come in, the bell rings, have your homework out. So if they didn't have their homework out, it was automatic, you know, yeah. <laughs> automatic wah, consequence. Wah, wah. Right. <laughs> and, and so now as a mom, I'm like, are you prepared? I have a seventh grader this year who's changing classrooms and she's got a locker and it's all new. There's, you know, it seems like a hundred different teachers. It's really only like five or seven. Mm-hmm. Um, it's bad that I don't know the exact amount of teachers. I should check on that. <laughs> but I, before she started school, I was like, do you know what you need for each class? Did you read the class assignment list? Did Are you ready? You know, when you go to your locker, you have to think through, what do I need for this class? Because as the teacher in me, I'm like, oh no, mm-hmm. don't be hard on my kid. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's up to us parents to really teach them how to be independent, how to be prepared, how to change classes, how to have their work ready. That is really good. I know uh, at times I can help a little too much in reminders. And so I actually have to pull myself back. And it actually ends up making them dependent upon me to remind them, if hey, have you done this yet? Have you... And I've got to kind of let them fail sometimes, which Mm -hmm. I really hate doing. But just enough so that, okay, wait, so let's look at why this happened. How can, what can we learn from it? No, don't beat yourself up. 
because mm-hmm. we all are going to fail at times. But that is so important of a parison for this world. And that kind of brings me to number six. Come alongside where you can. Be involved. Be present when they have struggles in school. But don't enable. I think that's so good. You know, we um, went from homeschool two years ago into um, traditional school. And there were some struggles with that Go transition. You know, mm. my kids had some struggles and I really battled with how much do I get involved and how much do I let them work out on their own? Mm. And, you know, I would like to say we made, they're all the right decisions with, with oh, getting yes. involved and, <laughs> sure you know, you don't we always think we know what's best for our kid? Um, but I really think this is something that we can evaluate. My, my mom used to always say, um, to us, the teacher's always right. Mm. the teacher's always right. When my brother and I would come home and we'd complain, you know, we have too much homework and we have this and we have that. And my, my parents would never undermine the teacher's authority. Mm. Now, I don't know if they ever secretly went to the teacher and said, Hey, my kid's struggling. You know, could you help me out here? But I always knew that the teacher was the authority. And I think that's something that we really need to instill in this culture. You know, we have a culture of everybody's equal and I can do what I want and I have rights and I have a voice and even our kids are rising up and saying these things, the next generation, and we've got to remind them there, there's a pecking order here and there's an authority that you have to show respect to. And as parents, that's really our job to teach them so that they can respect the teachers. And part of that is being present and being involved, but not fixing everything for them. Mm, That's so hard sometimes for some of us fixers. Not that I identify with that, but (laughs) well, and number seven, we have help. We don't have to do this all on our own. We have a helper called Mm. the Holy Spirit. And he prompts us about our child's life. My kids will tell you, they used to say it was a little annoying, because I'm a singer-songwriter, as the Holy Spirit would kind of reveal something about one of my children, I would just make up a song on the fly about that. I wasn't even trying to do it on purpose. (laughs) Like, sure you weren't, Mom. But I'd be singing something about being honest, you know, whatever. And, and, you know, just the Holy Spirit reveals. we That is such a huge thing that we as Christians have. If we're in tune right. as parents, if we're in God's Word ourselves, then we have that. And, you know, we can speak into our children's lives in humility and gentleness in a way that they can receive. Yeah, I really think this is just a huge hope for parents mm-hmm. because it, it gives us the the validity, the what's the word I'm looking for? The authority, mm, right? Mm-hmm. The authority to be able to, to help our children, to love our children and to, to have insight when they are struggling and to have insight when we need to speak wisdom into their lives. Now, this brings us to number eight, provide biblical sound counsel. Our children are being bombarded mm. with information. They're being bombarded with counsel from the world, from their tablets, from their phones, from Google, from all of these sources that we didn't have in our generation. We didn't have it in our back pocket and pull it out and could answer all of our questions, right? right? And so as we are walking and talking with our kids, it's really up to us parents to provide biblical counsel, not just when they are struggling, not just when they're going through a hard time, but Mm -hmm. when they're going through their daily life. And I think what's so good about this too is sometimes we can just be real flat and just like throw the book at people, throw the Bible, you know? Right. That's not, providing biblical counsel is going to do it with a gracious, in a gracious way. 
and in a way that being wise to know what people can receive and how, what verse is best. Right. This brings us to number nine, be wise in the activities your children do. Now I'm one of those moms that is like, we don't have to do it all. Mm -hmm. We don't have to be involved in it all. Yes. I want my children to have good experiences. I want them to be able to be involved and to do as much as they can. But the reality is nobody can do it all. Right. So if we're teaching them to be involved in every single activity now, they're going to grow up to be stressed out, strung out adults. Yes, and part of that being wise in the activities is, is this activity going to lead them closer to Christ? Or is it going to lead them away? Is it going to have them be an influence on others? You know, So thinking about right. it, and is it going to develop what you see as a talent in them that God wants to develop for His glory? So these are hard things because there's things that are good, right? but they're not best. Yeah, this is so, so interesting that we're talking about this. Just the other day, um, a friend of mine teaches my girls piano lessons. Mm -hmm. And um, she made the comment, she said, you know, in junior high and high school, everybody has to choose their activities. And usually they either choose music or sports. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and she's, and so as I thought back on my life, I taught, I took piano lessons and then I also played volleyball. Volleyball was my sport and I loved it. And I had a lot of trophies to show for it. And I told, I told my friend, I well, said, who knew? I said, <laughs> I know hidden talent. <laughs> I told my friend, I said, I chose volleyball and I quit piano and now I have nothing to show for it. Oh. You know, I'm like, Oh, I did coach volleyball for a season. But I can't sit down and just play mm. the piano like I would be able to if I would have chosen piano. Mm. So I'm not saying don't let your kids play sports, but... <laughs> be a band geek. This is what she's saying. <laughs> <laughs> right. My kids do love music, and I'm so thankful. Um, but I wish I wish I would have stuck out the piano and, mm -hmm. you know, still been able to do the volleyball and tried to balance both. I wish I would have done that. Volleyball did a lot for me in that season of life. Yeah. But, you know, long-term, looking back, I'm like, hmm, I well, wonder... For me, for me the decision was made because the basketball team wanted to beat me up. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was a nerd. And so I, I that, that ended up putting me with music, yeah. So, <laughs> But funny. number 10, which goes well with last week, be wise in the fellowship your children have. This is super hard. Your kids probably aren't going to appreciate it when you say, hey, you know what? No, that kid can't come over to sleepover. And by the way, we don't do sleepovers. You know, things like that. <laughs> Standards that you have that are going to be different. But if you help them catch your vision, instead of it being a bunch of rules, and if you can lay that, that groundwork so they understand the importance, why you want to be careful with the fellowship they have, then I believe that they will follow you in that. Right. You know, one of the first questions I always ask my kids whenever they are um, telling me about a new friend that they have or when they are sharing an experience from school, I'll say, does that child love Jesus? And they, mm -hmm. you know, they'll tell me that. And then I say, does that child obey their mom and dad? And what this does, it helps my kids think about the child's heart. And then I'll put it back on my child, you know, 
Are you paying attention to Jesus? Are you loving Jesus? And are you honoring mom and dad? Because just as we want our children to choose wise friendships and be around kids who are also being wise, we want to make sure that our kids Mm -hmm. are being the right kind of influence too. Because, you know, my husband always says, we don't need to worry so much about sin outside the camp. We need to worry about the sin inside. Definitely. (laughs) Yeah, because we can become self-righteous too. Oh, for sure. Thinking that, and this is something I talk to my kids about too. No, it isn't that we have it. You know, we mm-hmm. <laughs> right. We need God desperately, mm-hmm. but we, we have to be careful about the influences. Definitely. The radical grace today is that even when we fail to lead our children, God's word will not return void. The raw truth is that our children are being influenced every day by the world, but we have the opportunity to influence them with the word of God. And the real hope is that the answers to all of our parenting woes are always found in God's word. We hope this spiritual checklist for back to school has been an encouragement to you. Thank you for listening to the Black and White Podcast, where we filter life through the Bible and live life in the freedom of truth. 